Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today we are continuing this series called The Family of God. We're studying the one another scriptures of the Bible, and today we are in Romans 12, verses 16 through 18. We are looking at the scripture, live in harmony with one another. How do we be in harmony with other people, especially when there are so many different preferences, so many different opinions, uh, so many strong feelings. How do we be in harmony with one another? How, uh, we're going to explain in today's sermon that Christians should have not necessarily the same thinking on every issue, but we should have the same direction of thinking that brings unity to our lives. Well, we're going to unfold each phrase of these scriptures, and I'm praying that it's going to have a great effect on you as you study God's Word along with us. So let's take our scriptures today on whatever device or whatever Bible that you use, and let's go to Romans 12, and let's learn from God's Word together. Well, today I'm going to conclude my part of the series, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, verse number 16, 17, and 18. Last week we were in Romans 12, 9, 10, and 11. Today we're in 16, 17, and 18. Uh, we've covered so far in this series how we ought to serve one another. That was the first week. That was out of 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11. And then we saw how we are to be kind to one another out of Ephesians 4, 32. We are to be forgiving one another. We, we saw Romans 2, 4, Galatians 5, 22, 23. That God's kindness leads, leads us to His repentance. And so it is our kindness to others will lead them to forgiveness, to repentance. And then we saw last week how we ought to love one another and honor one another. And that was Romans 12, 9, 10, 11. And now today we're going to see how are we to live in harmony with one another. You know, there's many one another scriptures in the Bible. And we're just taking a handful and we're studying those. But I think living in harmony with one another is certainly a message. It is a word that we need to hear from God right now today in our current culture. Because I don't have to tell you, I don't think you live under a rock, but everywhere you look in our country right now, in our society right now, there is division. Is that right or wrong? Sadly, it's even within the church a great deal. I'm thankful that within all the layers of leadership of Preaching Christ Church, I'm thankful that we are in complete harmony. We're in complete unity. That doesn't mean we always agree. Because, and how many of you know in our country and now, particularly in politics, we have lost the ability to disagree without being disagreeable. We've lost that, haven't we? Being in unity and being in harmony it doesn't mean that everyone always agrees with everything. You know the old saying, if two people think exactly alike, then one of them isn't thinking. Is that right or wrong? 
The Bible does not call us to have all of the same preferences or have all of the same opinions. But it does call us to what we studied last week, agape love. What it does call us to is to be in harmony with one another, to think along the same direction with one another, and to be in unity. Yes, the Bible does call us to that. And in the country right now, there are all kinds of divisions. There are very deep and very great political divisions. There are racial divisions. Even within the church, we must be so careful. Because while, thankfully, our leadership is in complete harmony, you know, there are many, many churches that are not. Many leaderships right now are fractured. They're splintered. There are some who believe the church should be shut down while other believes it should be going. There are some who believe with the pandemic right now that you should enforce masks. Others who don't think you should at all. We're, we're middle of the road. We tell people, if you want to wear a mask, you wear a mask. You do whatever makes you comfortable. You do whatever you feel like the Lord wants you to do. But we're not going to throw stones either way. We're going to stay in harmony. We're going to stay in unity. And you know, right now, there are many churches that are not in harmony. They're, they're splintered. They're fractured over these, over these issues. So this is a word, I believe, in season for the church today. And what Paul writes to us, I think every single person here, everyone watching online, we can learn, we can gain a great deal by what the apostle writes to us by the Spirit of God. He says, number one, take a look with me. As many of you know, I'm blind. If you're, uh, if you're a guest today, you may not know I'm blind, so that's why I don't preach with a Bible. But you follow along with me and you help me. Help me not to miss a phrase here. Romans 12, verse 16, notice what Paul says to us. By the Spirit of God, this is what he writes. Live in harmony with one another. Now, the word harmony here is very interesting in the original language. What the word harmony means, what Paul wrote in the actual Greek language literally means, this is the literal meaning of the word, it means to think in the same way. In other words, to go the same direction. Have you ever been in a church that went opposite directions? Have you ever been within a work environment that's going opposite directions? Have you ever lived in a home that's going opposite directions? Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. The word harmony here means to be in the same way of thinking. It means it literally means to go the same direction. Now again, I'm not talking about preferences. You can have all kinds of different preferences. And they may be very different from me. You may have very strong opinions, and they may be very different from mine. I'm not talking about uniformity. I'm not talking about being cookie cutter. Everybody thinks the same and acts the same. That's not what Scripture is calling us to. But what Scripture is calling us to is to lay down our preferences, to lay down our opinions, to lay down our agendas, and to follow Jesus. And to go the same direction. That's what Scripture is calling us to. And he's going to tell us exactly step for step how to do that. So today, if you've ever been part of a church that went total opposite direction, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, at this church, we are in unity. Amen? 
and we will stay in unity. And do you know what makes us be in such unity? Because, friends, we are going one direction, and that is the glory of God. And if that means I have to lay down my preferences, I'll lay them down. If that means I have to put my opinions on the altar of God, that's where they'll go. I'm not going to dig in my heels to get my own way. There have been times that we've sat in this conference room with our leadership and I have felt strong one way and several of our leaders felt strong in opposite way. Well, what's the right response to that? Am I to dig in my heels? No. What does scripture say? There's safety in a multitude of counselors. Amen? We're to lay down our strong opinions. We're to lay down our strong feelings and we are to go one direction and that's the glory of God that's why we are in unity and that's why we shall remain in strong harmony and unity can we say amen to that so he says in essence Think the same way. Be of the same mind. Be of the same way of thinking. Now, why is he saying this? He's echoing what he's written in Philippians chapter 2. And even at the end of Philippians in chapter 4, you know, there's two ladies in the church that are feuding. There's two women at odds within that Philippian congregation. And Paul writes to them and says, I entreat you. Think the same way. Have an agreement of thinking. Again, it doesn't mean you don't. It's okay if you don't see eye to eye. But it means the glory of God matters more. Agree on the glory of God and and think the same way. Go the same direction. It's the exact same word that he uses throughout all this Greek writing. And then notice, if you will, go with me. Chapter 12, our our text. Look at verse 1. And Paul's really going to lay this out for us. Look at verse 1. He says, Brothers, I beseech you, or I beg you, or I appeal to you, is what it means. I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, notice just, uh, let, me, let me not just uh, pass through this too quickly and, and understand this. He says, I appeal to you, brothers. I'm begging you. I am beseeching you, brothers. Present yourselves before God. That word present means once and for all. Once and for all. Once and for all. No turning back. You yield yourself to God. To the Lordship of Jesus. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know what the problem is with being a living sacrifice? You feel the pain. There are times you'll want to get off the altar. There are times you'll want to be comfortable. And God has not called us to a lifestyle of comfort. He says, I beseech you. By the mercies of God. Present yourselves a living sacrifice. Which is your spiritual worship. You know, I love, do you not love our music here? And we call that worship. I mean, it is. It's lifting up our hearts. It's lifting up our songs. It's lifting up our voice. But don't confuse. That in itself is not worship. Worship is presenting yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And see, when you present yourselves 
as a living sacrifice to be holy before God, then out of that presentation, out of that yielding to Christ, then comes your songs. Then comes your worship. Then comes your prayers. Then that is true worship unto the Lord. And then he says, very interesting, he says, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be what? Transformed. By how? By the renewing of your mind. Now make the connection between verse 1 and verse 16. Think this way. Be in harmony. Have the same direction of thinking. Why? Because we have been renewed in our minds. We now have the mind of Christ. That's what Paul wrote. Let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. So because now we can think biblically, because now we can think the way that Christ thinks, now we can truly be in harmony with one another. Now notice what he says next. (laughs) Are you ready for the rubber to meet the road here? Do not be haughty. Now Paul, oh. Now, remember who Paul's writing to. Paul's writing to Christians in the city of Rome. If you've ever visited Rome, I had a chance to visit there a few years ago, and you can feel, you can feel just the pride of Rome. You can feel it in the air. And he's writing to Christians who are living in the strongest and most influential city in the history of the world at this moment. And he says, don't be haughty. Uh, I hope you realize our Western, affluent American culture needs to hear this word today more than ever. Amen? Do not be haughty. If your mind is going to be renewed by the word of God, if you're going to be in harmony, you're going to think the way that God thinks. We are one direction. We are moving toward the glory of God. If you're going to think that way, then here's the biblical command. You cannot be haughty. In other words, we cannot be arrogant. In other words, we have to lay our pride down. We have to put it on the altar. And see, if we go back to verse 1, and we're going to be people that present ourselves before God as a living sacrifice, then guess what's going to be sacrificed on the altar of God? It is our pride and our arrogance. And so Paul writes to this church in Rome and says, Do not be haughty. And then look what he says, But associate. Yourselves with the lowly. Oh, hallelujah. But associate with the lowly. See, only the gospel can do this. Do you know what is at the very core, what is at the very heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's humility. For how did Christ come to the earth? He humbled himself. Philippians chapter 2. Even though he was in the form of God... He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he humbled himself and was obedient even to the point of death, the death of the cross. 
Humility is in the very heart of the gospel itself. And you're not going to have the gospel working in your life and be a prideful person at the exact same time. You'll have to lay down the pride. You'll have to crucify it. You'll have to put it on the altar of God. And Paul's command is do not be haughty. And you know what? You know what will help this church move in the right direction? You know what will cause us to move in the same direction? Is when we lay down our pride. You don't have to get your way. I don't have to get my way. You know what would make your marriage much smoother today? Is lay down your pride. You don't have to win every fight. Well, that got quiet. All right, well, let's dig in a little bit. You don't have to win every argument. Amen. My goodness. I'm blind as a bat, but I can see it from a mile away. <laughs> Woo! Do not be haughty. See, I don't know if you realize this. This command affects every area of our lives. Amen? Amen. How much easier would you be to work with if you weren't haughty? How much easier would you be a good teammate if you didn't have to win every argument? Mm. Do not be haughty. Then, notice what he said. So this is written for our benefit. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Help me out. What's my next phrase here? Oh, associate with the lowly. You know, yesterday, about 20 of us gathered to make sub sandwiches. We took big subs and went to Sam's and made all this food for Hunger First up here for the homeless. And you know, while, listen, let me say this carefully, but let me just say it bluntly. I have friends in the city and I got friends who have very strong opinions of what they think the problem is and how you fix the and then I've got friends on the nonprofit organization sides who are trying to serve to, and and they're at odds against each other. You know that, right? I mean, you see the Facebook stuff. I I've got no desire to fight with anybody and I'm not even going to engage in the fight. Let other people do whatever they... See, here's the problem. Everybody's talking, but who's doing? And the Bible tells us, associate with the lowly. The Bible doesn't tell us to do case studies on it. The Bible don't tell us to figure out what the problems are and how to... uh, uh, Sure, other people's do it. Let them do that. The Bible tells us to love and to serve. That's our command. So I'm not interested in the politics of it, and I'm not interested in the, you know, all this. Uh, I sat down with a high, very high-level leader uh, some months ago over here in our conference room. He's, he's big wig, whatever, other organization, whatever. And, and, and he said, you know, I think all over the place, people's trying to figure out things in boardrooms. Boardrooms? 
But, who, but who's serving? And there are some. Don't get me wrong. There are. Uh, listen, we can't do everything, but we can do something. Amen? Amen. And yesterday, about 20 of us, they put together 120 subs. And we took it up to hunger first. They told us, when we met with them earlier in the week, they said, you can't preach. You can come bring food, but you can't preach. Okay, well, I mean, we'll, we'll build trust. We're, you know, it's fine. We got there. Our people began to talk. To everybody, our people were praying with everybody. You could just feel the hand of God all over the place. Amen? Before we knew it, the leader up there said, Bring your pastor inside. Have him pray to, have him pray, have him tell his story. Amen? We went in there. And all we did, all we did was share our heart, all we did was share the love of Jesus. And you could feel the very hand of God over every bit of it. Friends, we're called to associate with the lowly. What did Jesus say? When you've done this unto the least of these, you've done it unto me, Jesus said. Amen? Deuteronomy 15, 17. The Bible tells us you'll always Always and forever have the poor. You'll never eliminate poverty fully. You, you won't. But you know what the Bible tells us? When there's poor in your city, the Bible says, do not harden your heart. We need to hear this, church. Because this is our backyard. Do not harden your heart, but open wide your hand. That's the word of God. Let's don't be haughty. Let's don't be haughty. Let's don't be haughty. Amen? Amen. But associate with the lowly. And then look what Paul says. This, this is remarkable. Then Paul says, never, not just sometimes, <laughs> never be wise in your own sight. What a word for our culture today. Never be wise in your own sight. The book of Proverbs says that leads to death. No, don't be wise in your own sight. Now, I'm, I'm, again, let, let's follow the logic, okay? Now, pay very close attention. Paul says to have the same way of thinking. That's what harmony means. We're going to have the same way of thinking. And in doing so, it's going to take out haughtiness out of our life. It's going to take out pride and arrogance. And when all that pride and arrogance gets out of our way, then we're really going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Then we're really going to associate with the lowly. Let me tell you, when we were up there yesterday, man, I began to think how many needs were in that. We were in the warming room. And I began to think about how many needs there were, addictions, all kinds of needs. And I began to think, the Lord spoke to me and the Lord said, there's treasure in this room. There's treasure. There's a pearl of great price in this room. Amen? 
And what happened to you? What happened to me? While we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and died for us. Amen? And when you and I were in the muck and the mire of sin, God reached down and he got the pearl of great price. Amen? So when all that pride lifts, when all that haughtiness is out of the way, when all that arrogance is out of the way, then you can really be the hands and feet of Jesus. Then you can really associate with the lowly. Because what did Jesus do for us? He associated himself with the lowly. Amen. Then he says, never. What a strong word. Never be wise in your own sight. Then he says, look at the next verse. Then he says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought. (laughs) Why does he say give thought? Because what is he talking about? Having your mind renewed by by the renewing of the word. Having your mind transformed by the renewing of the word. Having the same direction. Thinking in the same way. So give thought how you'll show honor, how you'll be honorable to to all, in the sight of all. What, what's he saying? Now remember, church, remember, he's writing to Christians in the Roman Empire. These Christians are literally in the city of Rome. They are the saints of Rome. And do you understand what kind of persecution they're under? You realize the kind of persecution that they're facing? And he says to them, repay evil. Repay no one evil for evil. I mean, you, I, I, you're probably like me and you're so sick of politics. But whether you like the former president or you like the current president or whether you don't like I don't really care whether you do or you don't. But that's not the point. The point is these Christians weren't under a president or a constitution or a bill of rights. These Christians were under the emperor Nero. And do you know how insane and crazy that man was? Do you know that to light his personal garden, he would hoist Christians up on large poles and set them on fire just to light his garden. And the great fire broke out in Rome. He blamed Christians and untold numbers were martyred because of his scandal and because of his insanity. And Paul writes to these people and says, repay no one evil for evil. Let let, let me tell you what gave me a different view of these scriptures. When I was reading the book, The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom, I shared with you a couple months ago, I read that book at the first of the year, and Corey Ten Boom was in a Nazi concentration camp in Germany. She was able to have a tiny Bible in there that she kept hidden. And this was one of the scriptures that she would read. If you want a different perspective... Read Romans 12 and imagine yourself in a Nazi concentration camp. And how strong it is when Paul says, don't repay evil for evil. Two verses down when Paul says, don't vindicate yourselves. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Leave it to the wrath of the Lamb. My goodness. It would change your whole perspective when you read it from those eyes. From that perspective. And so he says, don't repay evil for evil, but instead 
Again, this is a transformation of the renewing of our thinking. This is thinking in harmony. It's thinking the same way. And then Paul said, while you're thinking about these things, while you're on track with the same way of thinking, give thought to this. How are you going to show honor in the sight of all? Now, isn't that incredible language? How are you going to show honor in the sight of all? Give thought to that. And what did we say last week? What does it mean to honor somebody? The word honor literally means to esteem someone very highly. And if you're going to esteem someone and you're going to show them honor, this is biblically and literally what it means. It means to put their needs above your own. And I think what Paul is saying is either you're going to be open, your eyes are going to be open to the needs of others, or either you're going to be blinded to it because all you can see is yourself. And that's why Paul says, never be wise in your own sight. Why? Because when all you can see is you and your little world and your comforts and your luxuries and your preferences and getting your way, you're never going to see the needs of others. You see what Paul's saying? Change your thinking. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Have your mind renewed, transformed by the word of God. Why? So that you can get your eyes off of you. And you'll never be wise in your own sight. Instead, you'll see the needs of others. And then you'll begin to think. (laughs) You'll begin to ponder and you'll begin to think, how can I serve the needs of others? How can I put others' needs above my own? Amen. And let me tell you, as we seek to go up here to hunger first, and as we go to Hope Haven, and as we serve the homeless of our city, I want you to pray about jumping in here with us. We're, we're going to try to figure out how to take food every week. We're going to try to figure out what that's going to look like and how we're going to do that. And, and God's going to help us. Amen? Amen? And let me tell you, uh, you who did the spiritual gift test, I, you, got, you got gifts of mercy. I need you up there. You've got gifts of hospitality. You're needed up there. You have gifts of faith. You're needed up there. You have the gift of cooking? Well, that's not it. I consider it a gift. The Bible doesn't, but I do. We need you. We need you to take your eyes off of your world and associate yourselves with the lowly. Then look what he says, the last verse. This is fascinating. What verse am I? 18? Is that where I'm at? If possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. You know, I love this verse. This verse has freed me in some great ways. You know, I think what Paul is saying If you follow the logic of the chapter, I think what Paul is saying, because you're not haughty, because you don't have to get your own way all the time. You know, in verse 3, he says, I write to you by the grace of God, 
don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. Boy, our culture needs that. And because agape love is in our heart, because we're loving people with no conditions and no stipulations, because we're doing those right things, well, we can be at peace with everybody. But listen, and I probably don't have to tell you this, you do know there's some people you just can't be at peace with. They won't let you. They will not allow it. Is that right or wrong? Is it okay if I do some teaching right now for a second? There are some people, they will not let you be at peace with them. I, I knew a brother who, I, I love this brother, but he gets mad and he gets, he gets offended everywhere he goes. He's always offended. He's always mad. He's been at this church. He's been at this church. He's been at this church. He's been with this church. And, at this, and everywhere he's went, he's gotten mad and offended. You know, one time a man went to a doctor and he told the doctor, he said, you got to help me. I'm hurting everywhere. The doctor said, okay, well, show me where you're hurting. He pressed his knee. I'm hurting here. Pressed his stomach. I'm hurting here. Pressed his shoulder. I'm hurting here. Pressed his neck. I'm hurting here. You know what the problem was? Found out he had a broke finger. You know, there's a lot of people like that. There's a lot of every friendship they have, it gets broken. Every job they work at, it's a problem. Every church they go to can't get along. You know what the problem may be? I'll let you figure it out. <laughs> and this brother's always offended, always mad. Well, a while ago, this brother got mad at me. He had heard. That I had said something that is highly inaccurate and highly untrue. This happened to Pastor Greg Laurie. You guys know who Greg Laurie is? Wonderful pastor out in California. And one day a pastor showed up at his office demanding to see him. This brother was hot. Demanded to meet with him. Come into his office and was upset and mad and said, I understand you've said this about me and my ministry and you've said this about our church and just, I mean, gave him an earful. <laughs> and Pastor Greg looked at the brother and said, brother, I'm so sorry to tell you, but I don't even know who you are. You talk about gossiping about you. I don't even know you, brother. But see, even though his brother was upset, he did exactly what Jesus said to do. You have a fault against somebody, you have an alt against them, go to them. And that's what he did. He went to him. And then, so they talked and they found out that it was somebody trying to stir trouble, whatever, put them to the side. And you know what? They became great friends. Amen? Isn't that the way that's supposed to work? And so this brother got very angry at me and again left. Offended, mad, angry. And I reached out to this brother. What does scripture say? A brother has an alt against you, you go to him. I reached out to him, tried to call, he wouldn't take my call. Sent him a message. Said, brother, please come and talk to me. Let me sit down with you, brother. We may not see eye to eye. We may disagree. It's fine. 
but let me talk to you. And do you know the brother refuses to even talk to me? Because what he heard, he believes is true, but it's not. Now, how am I to feel? Am I to get angry at the brother? No. Am I to hold a fancy? No. Am I to? No. But let me tell you what else I'm not supposed to do. I'm not supposed to let that hinder my work or my prayers, nor my conscience. My conscience is pure and it is clear. Why? Because what does the scripture say? If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Listen, friends, if it depended on me, if it were up to me, there would be reconciliation. But see, at this point, the ball is no longer in my court. Am I making sense to anyone today? And see, there's some family with you. There's some people with you. There's some friends with you or whatever the case is where you've tried to make things right. You have tried to reconcile. And they absolutely will not. Friends, let your conscience be clear. Don't hold that weight. Don't let their issues become your issues. If you have sought reconciliation, if you, has, if you have done as Jesus taught, if you have went to them and you have tried to reconcile, you have tried to make things right, and they absolutely will not have it, then friends, let your conscience be clear. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. And if they won't allow that, then let your conscience be clear by the word of God. Can we say amen to that? So what's the command? Live in harmony with one another. Think the same direction. Think in the same way. It's not cookie cutter. It's not uniformity. It's not us all being a little cult. (laughs) No. We'll always have different preferences. We'll always have different opinions. But if the glory of God is paramount to each of us, we'll lay those preferences and we'll lay those opinions on the altar. And our strong feelings will be laid on the altar as well. And what will we do? We won't be haughty. But we'll associate ourselves with the lowly. And then what will we do? We'll not seek to repay evil to anyone. Why? Because instead of trying to seek revenge, and instead of giving our energy to revenge, instead of giving our... (laughs) Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord. Do you know how you can tell that you're not at peace with someone? Come on, say amen if you're with me right now. You know how you can tell if you need to make something right with someone? Is if you keep having imaginary conversations in your head. And you know what I'm talking about, don't you? If you're having imaginary conversations in your head, you're thinking wrong, my friends. Instead, give thought. Give your energy Give your mental capacity. Give your emotions. Give thought. Instead, 
how am I going to show honor? How am I going to put their needs ahead of my needs? And then instead of your eyes being self-absorbed on you, you'll give honor in the sight of all. And people will see the Jesus that is being formed in you. And then, and then, if all else fails, and that brother or that sister or that family member or whoever it is will not reconcile, listen, so far as it depends on you, and they won't do it, let your conscience be clean this morning. Don't carry the guilt any longer. Don't carry the weight any longer. Because there are some people who will not follow God or His Word. Well, let them go on. Amen? An old man told me one time before he passed away. I was a young man, and he was an old man. And he told me right before he passed away, he said, Chad, there are some people in this world, they'll hit their head against the wall just to enjoy the noise. Well, you let those people just go right on. They're not going your direction, amen? They're not going our direction. And what's our direction? Same way of thinking, the glory of God. And see, when, the, when your eyes are so fixed on the glory of God, you're not going to be wise in your own sight. Because your eyes aren't going to be on you. Your eyes are going to be on the needs of others. Listen, there's a lot of great things happening right now. God is doing so many things that I literally cannot even calculate it. And you know, I'm so excited about all these renovations. You know what? All these renovations, listen, it's all going to take care of itself. This sit in your house and this sit in my house. This is God's house. Amen. And He's going to do everything that needs to be done. We're, we're going to do this little capital campaign next month, and who knows, who knows what's going to happen? I'm, but let me, let me tell you what happened last week. You know, I shared the need with our brother who has the cancer injections needed, right? And person after person came. Tuesday. We tried to do it Monday, but it's President's Day. The bank was closed. Tuesday. I called the family Sunday. and Listen. Not only was that need met... That need was met by more than a thousand dollars. Amen. I called the family. Oh, it encouraged them. They wanted me to thank you so deeply. I said, When do you need the funds? They said, We're going to order going to order the medicine Tuesday we put the money in their account on Tuesday amen and the money was there listen God's doing stuff like that yeah walls are going up duckworts oh, oh I mean things are being ripped out and uh, 
we've, we've leased across the street and ripping up floors over there. And we're just, I mean, there's just a flurry. If you come by here through the week, there is just, there's contractors everywhere, electricians and drywall people and HVAC people and just construction going on everywhere. But let me tell you, God is building his church. He's changing hearts. There's serving going on. There's a level of prayer in the church. What we're doing with the lowly. Listen, listen. God's doing bigger things than what you and I can see. But see, if we don't take our eyes off of us, we're going to completely miss what God wants to do. So will you do that this morning? Will you say, by God's grace, I'm going to take my eyes off of me and my four and no more. And I'm going to ask God to help me associate with the lowly. See who I can minister to. See who I can impact. See who I can put their needs above my needs. Let me tell you, let me, I've, I've got a word for somebody right now, and I, I can feel it by the Holy Spirit. I feel like the Lord is saying there's somebody that you work with who they're the biggest thorn in your side, and they are driving you absolutely crazy. And you've been praying, asking God how to deal with it. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit speaking right now, this is what the Lord wants you to know. You go to work Monday, you go to work all week this week, you put their needs above yours. That's what the Lord's saying. You show up at work and I, they, listen, they probably drive you insane, but go in and say, what can I do for you this week? What can I do to make your week easier? I'm telling you. This is the word of God. Amen? Put people's needs above yours. Why? Because you know what God promises us? Philippians chapter 4. He'll meet all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So don't have this scarcity mentality that your needs are not going to be met. No, friends. God's going to meet your needs. It's a promise. And that's why you can put other people's needs above yours.